Yeah, I think the time that you need to be really concerned is when I get it right every single time. That's when you know that there's something going wrong with that, me. That's when I'll ask you if if you'd like a peanut butter sandwich. Yeah, exactly. Because you've been abducted by aliens. Exactly. Like, like yeah. I, I've been taken. It, over. I can. I, anyone listening, like <laughs> this, this will have been edited out by D, and you know, as he's, he's producing the podcast. But instead I don't think of hitting, it should be. instead of hitting the home plus life podcast intro. <laughs> button she's hit the jtm intro to start the podcast and then gone oh wait whoops and my bad <laughs> this is episode 28 ladies and gentlemen <laughs> episode 28 um if she ever gets the button pressing right we're gonna we're gonna administer the peanut butter test to see if she's been abducted by aliens yes yeah and i know some are going what's the peanut butter test she hates peanut butter so if if we administer the peanut butter test and she eats it then she's an alien she's been body snatched that's right yeah yeah, so this is a predetermined uh, test that we've agreed upon just to test, and uh, you know, if, if anybody's if I've been ever taken. been body snatched. Yeah, if if she's an alien and been <laughs> you know replaced. All right, so we're going to be talking build to rent. Yes, it's kind of an interesting topic, build to rent. I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. Well, I I'm excited for you to actually. Uh, you know, educate me given the fact that this is the first time that I've read Look, the, it's, the run sheet. it's not actually common in Australia. There's only like maybe half a dozen projects um, across, us. yeah, half a dozen projects across Australia. So we'll get into that and I'll explain what it is. Cool. And then the whole, well, I mean, it's the peanut butter test on society, isn't it? AI taking over. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a long to draw, but we're going to talk about AI and AI, taking AI over. is taking yeah. over. We're going to talk about where AI is at right now and what the future is. I don't see it as like. taking over. I see it the the possibility and potential of people being able to upskill, but that's just my personal. Yeah, we'll look. We'll, we'll we'll talk about that. But but, um, but let's go and hear from our sponsors. Yeah, let's see. The the pressure's on. Can she get the right Ready button? Ready to sell your home? Don't make the rookie mistake of jumping in blind. The first step on your journey is critical. Research. You need to know what your house is really worth to get the best deal. And that's where checkmyhouseprice.com.au comes in. With a free house price report, you'll get all the juicy market intel, recent sales data, and other must-have info to help you win big when selling your home. Don't gamble on your home's worth. Make checkmyhouseprice.com.au the first step in your successful selling journey. Visit us today and get your free house price report. Um, sorry, I was just reading the run sheet. What is declingin? What? <laughs> what? Did, where? Huh? You've got BTR starting to become more viable due to com investment. Declingin. 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 Yeah. It's a typo. <laughs> just. Yeah, yeah. I'm it's a, it's really concerned that Probably your spelling is starting gin. to really decline. <laughs> is it supposed to be decline? I'm guessing it's supposed to be decline. Declining. Oh, okay. So we <laughs> yes. Yes. Right, okay. Well, I'll forgive you. Yeah. Still not acceptable, but I'll forgive you. All right, so build to rent. Yes. Obviously, it's pretty, you know, it's pretty self-explanatory. Is it? How about you explain it then? What is it? Well, that people build to rent. No, not out. too much people. So when we're talking about build to rent, or governments build. No, to... more more corporations, commercial entities. Um, so is this what you were talking to me the other day? Yes, about? yes, right, absolutely. Okay. It is. So <laughs> essentially, at its core, a company will come along and they will typically build an apartment building. Yeah. Right, and rather than sell it off, traditionally in Australia in particular, they've sold off 70, 80 plus percent of those apartments. Mm-hmm. This flips it on its head where they build the apartment building specifically to rent it out and to manage it themselves uh, and control it and run it. 
would this not sort of fall into the whole, um, like in America where they've literally got companies that own... You're very popular in Europe, very popular in the States. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And look, there's there's some pros and cons to the model. There's Well, a, a lot of people do complain about the upkeep isn't there because there's no one actually policing it. Well, that's one of the problems that we're facing in Australia. There's legislation in the UK and the US on um, how it needs to be managed and handled. And yes, there is a problem with the policing, which is one of the cons, right? That's one of the downsides. Mm. Is you've got corporations that, for the most part, can be faceless and... Um, and hard to track down and hard to hold to account that are running these apartment buildings and people's homes effectively. And it's very hard to police. Mm. So that is kind of one of the cons that are there. There are some pros as well in the sense that this is a way to address the housing shortages that we're facing in this country at the present point in time. Um, There's a lot of security that can come with it when they're run properly. And I stress most of the pros we're going to talk about are all under the caveat of when they are run properly. Yeah. Um, because one of the, the big benefits that, that people have reported in Europe and the US is longer-term leases. So they can have that security, they can have that stability, mm. and that long-term lease can also lock in their rent for longer periods of time and so forth. Mm. So that means that there's that greater level of security, which I can see appealing in a market like what we've got in Australia at the moment, particularly in the, the capital cities and, and the main metro areas, where there is a bit of a rental squeeze on and a rental uh, mm. crisis happening. And there's a housing crisis in general. Mm. Um, one of the, the big cons or, or concerns is a lot of these build-to-rent or BTR apartment buildings are being built to, for the higher end of the market. Yeah, uh, they're, becoming, they're building these kind of communities. And if you, if you imagine it like an apartment building that – is designed to be a community much like a retirement community or retirement villages, but aimed at younger people. So and so it has all of the facilities, it has all of the like the pools, the gyms, all that sort of stuff that a younger demographic would want. Yeah. So isn't that kind of sort of what NRAS is? No, NRAS is, is um, affordable housing dictated by the government. Yeah. Yeah. And it's but standalone it, housing. Yeah, but... There are some apartments, but it's it's not NRAS. Because this, this but, is commercially owned and run. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying, that it would be similar sort of thing. It's just not the government that's owning it. It's a it's commercial. Well, I mean, no, because the government doesn't own NRAS properties. The government is effectively helping build them at a significantly cheaper rate. Right. Right, and that's and they're incentivizing investors to build them. That's my understanding of NRAS. I could be wrong on that, but I haven't dived deep into that. Yeah, but that was my understanding when it first came out. Um, right. And I was I was a real estate agent when it first came out, so it yeah. could have changed over the years. Yeah. But this is this is commercialized housing in the sense that a company is running this to make a profit. Yeah, right, and that's a good and bad thing. Obviously, the better the facility. Faci- can't say the word, the better the facilities are upkept, mm. the higher the rents they're going to be able to charge. Uh, and so there's an incentive there to upkeep that. That's assuming that we don't have a housing crisis like what we do now where the supply and demand is so out of whack that you could literally probably put up a cardboard box and, and charge rent on it. Yeah. Right. And so is this going to be the solution to the housing crisis? No. It could be a factor in alleviating some of the stress. I would say it would be, uh, an, uh, you know, it would take, it would turn down the pressure valve. I, I think so, a little bit. I think it's got the opportunity to do that. Um, currently around Australia, there are 1,859 apartments across six projects and four states have them as at February of 2023. So we've got three pilot projects approved in Brisbane. Uh, there's some in Victoria and I think there's one in New South Wales. Because when you think about it, it would make sense that you would have... So if you've got people in the city or closer to cities, um, because let's face it, there's a lot of people who do rent closer to the city because, you know, like it's just, it's easier. Like it, and, you know, it's, you know, that's where they're needing to be close to because of work and the likes. So to have something close to the city... And have those pilot projects in Brisbane, I would be interested as to how many apartments mm. are going to be there. 
Well, it's like, there's, yeah, so there's 1859 apartments across six projects. So, <laughs> I mean, you'd, you'd say 300 apartments per project is just a, as an average. Yeah. So, but how many, I suppose the other thing too that it does come down to it, here in Australia, we do really have that whole, you know, like we aren't big apartment dwellers. Yeah, look, I, I think that's we've changing. Got, we've got space. Yeah. And having somewhere for the kids to run around, having the ability of, you know, because, you know, there's a lot of older people who help out looking after the younger kids who tend to live further out because they're wanting it not to be noisy and all the rest of it. So I just, like, there may be a shift happening when it comes to the cultural side of living, yeah, not just in a city but also in an apartment block because... I mean, quite honestly, I look at it and go, yeah, it would be great on some level because, you know, if I'm wanting to go out for the night, I don't want to have to drive. So I have the ability of just going downstairs and walking out. I don't have a garden to look after, to upkeep. I don't have to worry about the grass dying. (laughs) Yeah, look, and and I don't have to worry about roofing. I don't have to worry about all those things because it's all part of the body corp. But at the same time, I also look at it and go, there's only a certain amount of places that you can actually go before you just like, this is this apartment is not big enough. Yeah, and, look, <laughs> and I think I think you're coming at it from the fact that we're a family of six. On, yeah, you know, no, even and, and there's a, there's you know that that can get quite claustrophobic even in a five bedroom house, mm. right? So I, I get where you're coming from. But I think there's a massive shift that, that is happening because people are valuing quality of life more mm. than owning property mm. in a lot of a lot of areas around Australia. And I think part of that too is that as millennials, we've been told we can't own property, like we're never going to be able to afford it. Well, the other thing too um, is that that type of living is huge in Tasmania. I know that for a fact that even though they go and do up their houses and stuff, it they, well, I mean, everywhere they in Tasmania is close together. No, no, I, no. I'm talking about the whole you work to have a lifestyle. Yes. You don't work in order to keep a house. And, and that's – so that's very much Europe as well. Yeah. And a lot of, part of parts of Europe because going down this BTR rabbit hole, I started to look at where it was working. Yeah. And a lot of European countries do not have the same obsession with owning property as what Australians do mm. and what Americans do. Mm. And there's a lot more emphasis on living life and enjoying life rather than working your ass off to, to own property mm. and putting yourself in all that kind of debt. And in fact, I saw somewhere in some countries, only 30% of the population actually own property, mm. which is ridiculous. Like it's... it's Well, the other thing too, when you think about it... It's ridiculous to us. Like it's, it's insane. It would also be a, a, a flip because like you're saying, in Europe... It's majority people rent. Yeah. Which means that in some there's countries not, in Europe. Yeah, yeah. There's not that demand there, but they know that they need to house. So therefore, you know, having a development, a commercial development actually happen where it's just there to rent. Yeah. Would also help change that whole mindset of you have to when you grow up, when you get your you know, your big girl or big boy pants. <laughs> You you have to be very responsible and have your own abode where you have to pay for it and you have to be in debt. Yeah. And if if you look at it, like if you go back to one of the points we made when we we're talking about the buying uh buying a castle, I think at twenty four mm. in the, the buying a castle episode, um, one of the, the key considerations was there's not the same capital growth. And that's mm. because there's not the same drive to own property. That supply and demand issue is not as much of an issue in, in Europe as what it is in Australia mm. in, in a number of areas. So, look, I think there's pros and cons to it. I think that there's a lot of people that will embrace that lifestyle. I think, you know, there's when you think about uh, all of the chores that go along with maintaining a home, mm. right, and if you own it, you're on, on the hook for that. Yeah. Whereas if you're leasing it, you're not. Yeah. Um, I think that there's a lot of those chores that there's a, a lot of people out there who would be quite happy to just let go of them and be like, you know what? I don't want to do lawns. I don't want to do gardens. I don't want to do maintenance. Mm. That can be the the building management's problem. I just want to live my life. I've got a, a nice apartment, nice view, 
That's all I want. I'm, I'm happy. close to everything. Close to everything. And because I, I don't think BTR is going to work out away from metro areas. I think it's going to have to be fairly yeah. centralized. But when you consider. Well, if you have it close to public transport, which let's face it, within the, not just the CBD, but the, I would say greater Brisbane area would probably be like Brisbane. I'm talking like Brisbane. I'm not yeah. talking like Wynnum or Manly or any, I'm talking like Brisbane. Yeah, yeah. So you're talking sort of if you're to draw, a, you know, Cooper Root, Indrapilly and Round. Well, and Well, I, uh, I'm actually talking about like the the city of Brisbane, meaning that, you know, like Rochdale is part of Brisbane, mm. right? So, so you're, talk, you're talking the council area. Yeah, I'm talking a council area because yep. they, when it comes to public transport, so I think I think this would work fantastically in Sydney because everything's so. I mean, Sydney Sydney's one of the worst planned. I'm surprised that Sydney doesn't already do it. They've, they've they've got a pilot project. Built built to rent has not been a, a thing in Australia until recently because it hasn't been economically viable, right? It hasn't been something that they can make a profit from. Now it's starting to look that way because of the way rents have skyrocketed. Yeah. Um, so, well, yeah. Especially considering that, you know, when it's come to rent, I didn't ever think that it was supposed to be literally majority, like when I mean majority, I mean like 80 90% covering of the um, the mortgage, the repayment. It's always been whatever you can get for it. I, I don't understand. Well, whatever you get for it, but... To the point where where it is essentially someone's I- income. Yeah, that's the whole idea. No, like if negative, you've got if you've so, got okay. hold on if you've got a two income family, right? Yeah. And of that, one income is completely removed just to pay mortgage in order to live. That means that technically speaking, that's only a one-income family in order to be able to no, survive. No, it's not. It's still, a t- it's still a two-income family because part of survival includes the roof over your head. If you've got a mortgage and you're paying, and that's the, the cost of your mortgage, that's a choice you made. And you're still a two-income family. You've just chosen to assign that level of, of your income. And look, I get it. Mortgages go up and down. Rents go up and down and everything like that. But I don't up understand... Up and down? Well, sometimes they do come back. But... I don't understand where you're coming at it going from. You weren't aware well, that rent was meant to cover. The, the, I just didn't believe that it was supposed, like literally um, covering that amount of. I'm sorry, the but mortgage. that's that's no, absolutely it should be. Like if you're if you're an investor, only if you've got income coming in from elsewhere, do you really want to be engaged in a negative gearing situation, right? Negative gearing is when the rent that is you're being paid fall short of what you're paying for the property and it gives there's some sort of tax fancy shit you can do to lower your taxable income right as a result of that that's effectively a very poor layman's explanation of ne- negative gearing i'm not an expert on it mm, but a positively know. geared property is a property that's paying you right maybe, so it becomes a source of income maybe it's because there's been like because it did have such a massive jump in a quite a short period of time there's, there's always been positively geared properties. And Where geared it's, properties. Ju- it's literally just because of what people have paid within the area that has just, when it comes to uh, rent. Supply and demand. You're not getting what I'm saying. Anyway, no, moving I'm, on. I'm not, but what you're saying is... Anyway, moving on. So, perks. Yeah, look, I mean, there's, there's some perks to it. There's greater facilities, greater community. All of this is managed, right? So, it's just there for you, just to use and enjoy and engage with. Um, there's a stability we talked about before with longer term tenancies and that consistent management as well. The fact that there's less chores, which I know will appeal to a lot of people. Obviously, you're paying for it, um, but that does appeal. The downsides are, look, what we're seeing at the moment is they're targeting high end. So it's not going to solve the bottom end of the supply and demand crisis. Which is a bit stupid. Well, it is and it isn't. I mean, for pilot projects to work and gain momentum, and to gain that branding and that recognition uh, and, and that positive spin in the marketplace, you kind of have to start with the high end and then you bring in the lower end because then people have that idea that this is going to be really good. 
If you started at the low end, I, people are going to accuse you of building slums. I just hope that the way that they look after the high end is the same as the way that they look after the. Oh, low it, end. it'll it won't be the same. It costs a, it costs more no. to look after the high end, but the, no, the what I mean is that the same effort that they put in, not costs, effort. Effort requires cost. This is a capitalist economy. This is true. So right. I just look at it and just go, this is another utopian you, way of looking no, at things. No, it's not a utopian way of looking at things at all. Essentially, the higher-end stuff will have more facilities. They'll have um, a, a higher finish on things and a greater level of community, greater level of, of yeah, that's not what functionality I'm in the community. I'm talking right? about... The lower it, end will literally just be a building with an apartment. No, that's, that's not small. what I'm talking about. When I'm talking about effort, I'm saying <laughs> that... If a high-end person goes, oh, my tap is needing to be fixed, they get the same level of service for the person that lives in the lower end going, my tap needs to be fixed, as opposed to going, oh, yeah, we'll get to that, um, but we'll go on this straight away. Now, that's a utopian ideal because it, at the end of the day, it all comes back, it always comes back to supply and demand. If you're a plumber and you look after a low-end building and you look after a high-end building, and the high-end building is going to pay you more to fix your tap than what the low-end building is, which tap are you fixing first? But that's making the assumption that it's the same business that's going to be looking after the same those All All companies. businesses face those options every day. And that's, so that's realistically, that is, so what you're saying... What will happen is the lower end will operate within the rules of legislation and how that's legislated... Up to the line. That is how it has always been. I'm not saying it's right, but that it's how it's always been. So the higher end will have more money to deliver so a higher level of service. Essentially, what you're saying is that it is going to be pretty much exactly the same as what it is in America anyway. No, that's no. not what I'm saying at all. You're putting words into my mouth. What I'm saying <laughs> is that the lower end will be looked after at the line of where legislation requires it to be looked after. And so, therefore, legislation is important. Higher end will get greater levels of service because they're paying for it. You pay, you get what you pay for. And that is that is as true in housing as it is in chocolate bars. Yeah, still, I'm just looking at this going, it's all well and good to go, oh, yeah, we've got people in houses, but then it still leaves. If, if they have, and I mean, it's happened here in Australia, already it's happened when it comes to, Look at how many um, old Queenslanders that were bought around um, Cannon Hill, the Gabba, Morningside, all there in order to house students, right? And those students were going, look, we're, there's eight of us living in this you know, house that originally should have been only housing you know, four we're all, there's a communal um, laundry, there's a communal um, lounge room and a communal um, kitchen, right? I'm, I'm well aware of share accommodation. Yep, okay. But then what they're charging is something stupid, except those students aren't aware that because they look at it and go, oh, yeah, like that's, that's good because they compare it to what they're already experiencing in their own and when it comes to looking after the property, the homeowner goes, oh, they're a student. It doesn't really matter. I have seen a lot of students trash properties, number one. Number two, I also look at it and go, there is legislation that dictates how this needs to operate, right? The price that the student's paying is dictated by supply and demand. It comes back to the housing crisis and the, the problem that we have. Um, the repairs in that are dictated by legislation. So if they're not operating within legislation, go and report them. Yeah, but this is what I'm saying, that you're going to have commercial come in and be like, meh, it's fine, yeah. they're just renting. So what you're, what you're complaining about and is then, that we're going to have the exact same situation, whereas I'm going, we're at least going to have more houses to house people or more, more apartments and more accommodation. I... Like, I get what you're saying, but when it comes so, to... So what do we do? We just don't do anything. Well, I mean, they're not doing anything anyway. Well, they are. They've got six pilot yeah, projects. Yeah, it's pilot. Yeah, as in... That means that they can turn around and go, no, nah, we're not doing it. No, they can turn around and go, we're going to sell the apartments instead. Yeah, so it means that they're but not... nonetheless... Not doing it. They're <laughs> building these buildings that are to be built to rent, right? To be built. They, to they, are, they are being built at the present point in time across six projects. 
So they're being built as it currently stands, right, with the purpose of of renting. They can turn around and sell them at a later point if they want. Let's see as to, yeah, exactly right. You're sitting there going, don't do it because it's going to end up. I... My issue is the fact that there are so many people who are all like it's already a shit system where they know they know that people are going to take advantage of them. They know this, like the government knows this. They put all these freaking policies and legislation in, but when it comes to actually being able to fight it, guess who can fight it? The people with the money and the REIQ and the Residential Tenancy Authority. There's, there's a huge number of avenues that tenants, that people without funds can fight. And there's legislation to protect those people while they're fighting it. So they can't be kicked out and things like that while there's certain things that they're fighting, right? And there's certain legislation. Talk to the RTA about it if you've got an issue. There are those protections in play. So it sounds to me like the issue is education. I don't know. I just know that there's been I, – I do know people that have been taken advantage of. And even though you say, oh, yeah, that, you know, you can still have things where you can still live in that property, let's face it, what happens when a landlord is pissed at the fact that they've got a tenant in there that's fighting them? What's going to happen? Oh, they'll sell the property. Sell the property or what else are they going to do? They're going to drag their feet in – Oh, look – they are, but you you understand so that under still got people who hold, are hold up, hold up, hold up. This is, again, it's an education problem. You realise that under um, tenancy law and things like that, you can actually a tenant can breach the landlord for a failure to um, fix something in time, and as a result, that tenant can actually apply to. Uh, it's not the RTA. It's um, I can't remember the name of it, but effectively, it's a it's a council of sorts, right? Um, for a rent dispensation, and the landlord then has to pay the tenant rent for the back rent, a certain portion for the period that the property was not livable. Like, that's my point. There's education here. There's legislation already in place. Just most people don't know about it. The problem is an education issue. It's not like, I mean, the pro- yeah, the landlord's being a dick, not a problem. Like, it is a problem. What I mean by that is, yes, that happens, but the legislation is already in place. People just don't know it. Mm. Well, maybe that's a topic that we need to cover. We can have a look at it. We can have a look at it. I think you were hoping that this would be a bit more of a perkier. <laughs> oh, you're just being difficult. No, I'm not. I I am doing what people. No, you're, you're sitting there. You're sitting there going, "We shouldn't do anything because bad things I will happen." I did not say that we shouldn't do anything. I'm saying that there should be a heavier policing to ensure that when it comes to high end and lower end, if they're needing people to be in there that if there is something that needs to be fixed, that it gets fixed. It's not a... And And, and that's my point, is the legislation already exists for that. And there is recourse for tenants for that. There's a lot of it. It's just people don't know it and they just accept it or they go, you know what, I can't be bothered. And they just put up with it. Yeah, because they also know that if they try to... If they kick up a stink, that then... I mean, we've had we've had conversations with people. We had one yesterday, where they're like, "We're not going to say like we're not going to say anything because they've already upped it, and we don't want them to turn around in a in a year and a half and then up it even further because we have brought this to their attention." And it, remember, it was the I, solar. No, they, I, they I advertised get it. it as yeah. having solar. No, and no, no, then no. That's not how the conversation went. The conversation went: we're now locked in for fourteen months, and now's the time to bring it up. We are now going to bring it up. They didn't want to bring it up before they re-signed the lease for that reason. Now they've signed the lease; they're going to bring it up because they're locked in for fourteen months. But even still, like I get it, I get what you're saying. Like even though, even though they were going to go and re-sign, the fact that they didn't bring it up even for that period of time, whether it be six months or whatever, that they didn't mm-hmm. bring it up, even though it was advertised yep. as having Do you know solar. what the solution to that is? If, if you're not happy with the legislation, you know what the solution to that is? What? Build more houses. Because then <laughs> it's it... Not it, do it. No, it is. Because then it evens out the supply and demand. There is more supply than demand. And therefore, the tenant has the power to turn around and go, you know what? I'm not going to renew. I'm moving. There's right. never going to be enough housing. Well... Anyway, it's time to move on because we've gone way over time on this Let's one. Let's go JTM. Let's see which rabbit holes we're going down.
down in this episode. It's time for GTM. It's G-Thought Moment. It might be drinking whiskey, but work, smoking beer. Podcast, story writing, treasure hunting, you name it. What really grinds my gears, singing, playing TV shows. As you can see, nothing's off limit. It's GTM. G-Thought Moment. GTM. What will be his next shiny object? GTM. It's time for this week's G-Thought Moment. Right, this is a passion of yours. Oh, yeah. I love it. And I have been on this bandwagon as well. I just don't have the flair and enthusiasm like you do, but I do look at it and go, this makes my job so much easier. Mm. Considering that I do the execution of a lot of the content creation and posts and stuff for people that we do work for. Yeah. Um. And I do find that it does make my life easier because sitting there going, I need to think of like five articles that I need to write. Mm. It's such a good springboard. I can't do it. But then giving the outline, going help me, and then it giving you prompts potentially even writing the whole article for you itself because you prompt it as to what you're needing for it to. We're talking about AI for for anyone going, what the hell is she talking about? Yeah. Look, and I think, you know, there's so much talk out there and there's, and media love a sensational headline, right? Like every time something AI comes up, you can almost bet the house on the fact there's going to be pictures of red-eyed robots and mentions of Terminator and Skynet and all this sort of stuff. Morning, morning, exactly. Robinson. Like it's <laughs> and, and so this is this is there's this idea that AI is going to take over. The problem with this is a lack of understanding of where AI is at right now. The, Can I just say something that I know that you love? Is it really AI? Not really. At the, put it this way: what we're getting as the public. I knew that he would say that. <laughs> What we're getting as the public is not really, it's particularly, for example, take ChatGPT. It's a limited language learning model, Mm. right? And it's a limited language model, sorry. It's incredibly advanced machine learning. Like Mm. it comes down to the definition of AI too. You've got what we are calling AI at the present point in time. And then you've got what your physicists and, and your really, really smart scientists and AI researchers and that call artificial general intelligence. Artificial general intelligence, and and one of the most common ways to define the difference between the two is can it be goal-orientated and can it set its own goals, right? So artificial general intelligence can create its own goal and then go and accomplish that goal. Yeah. AI right now that we have cannot create its own goal and go and accomplish it. It can create sub-goals based off the goal you give it. Okay, and it can go and complete those sub-goals in order to complete the goal you give it. It cannot create its own goal. Which, when you think about it, is like Facebook ads. In, in because, a lot of ways. Because you, you say, this is what I want. Like, this is the sort of uh, audience that I want. This is the age yeah. bracket. This is the demographic. This is all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. This is their interests. Um, I want it to run between these times. This is how much I want you to spend. But that's, that's, none of that's AI. No, but the way that it actually works through the algorithm, it's learning. Yeah, and, and again, it's machine learning. So it, that's not AI. Like the AI that we have right now is if you think of it like a giant library that has, I think we're up to 174 trillion data points. So it's a really smart librarian. And it can go, you can go and ask it for something. And it can go and pull any bit of data from any of those data points mm. and can mash it all together to then give you an answer that pretty much looks like like it's correct. Mm. And, and more often than not, it is if you're prompting it correctly. Mm. It cannot create something new out of nothing. Yeah, it has to have the data there. Previously. It has to have the data there previously. Mm. It can look like it's creating something new out of nothing because it might pull data from Dan Brown's The Da Vinci Code mm. and data from Cerulean Blue's hex, hexagonal code makeup and combine that together in order to give a completely unique answer in order to answer a question that you've never thought anyone's even asked before. Mm. But it hasn't 
actually invented something out of nothing. What it's done is it's combined different data points that already existed and presented them in a way that may not have been presented before. Yeah. And that's... Or explained. Or explained before. And that's where it's super, super valuable too. Yeah. Because you can have conversations with like a chat model like ChatGPT. You can have conversations with it and you can be asking it questions. And in a lot of ways, I kind of see it like, you know, the the scene in The Matrix where Keanu Reeves jacks in and they teach him Kung Fu. Mm. And he's like, I know Kung Fu. It's like, show me. And they go into the fight scene and it's literally downloading that data. It can work in a kind of rudimentary way like that for you in that you can have a conversation with it. And it can analyze a whole heap of scientific papers. It can analyze a whole lot of data on the topic and then turn around and give you the uh, an answer mm. and explain something to you in, in a way. Like I've, I've done this with thermodynamics. I've done it with climate change. I've done it with quantum physics um, and had these incredible conversations. And I've found it significantly more beneficial for my learning and education than sitting in a lecturer with a boring professor droning on who's mm. talking about something that interests them but in a way that's boring as batshit. Well, the one thing that I find, because I know that there's a lot of, there would be a lot of professions out there like teachers that would yeah. go, oh, it scares me because it's available to students and, you know, students should be. And I, I do understand that. But the information that it spits out is only as good as what it what the person has put into it. Yeah, 100%. It's exactly the same as a calculator. 100%. If you don't put in the right information to the cal- into a calculator, you're going to get the wrong answer. Yeah. <laughs> and look, I just want to highlight too, just before we jump down that particular rabbit hole, because I think it's an important rabbit hole to jump down. We're talking a lot about these, these language model AIs, mm. ChatGPT, BARD, and so forth, right? That's because that's the mainstream. That's how people are using it. There's a lot more uses of current day AI technology than mm. like we're talking analyzing big data. We're yeah. talking analyzing trends and all that sort of stuff. What I said about it can't create its own goals mm. still applies to those AI engines that are doing that. Mm. Okay. Understand this is not the be all and end all of AI. No. But this is a point that everyone's kind of played with. Everyone kind of has some understanding with. So it's a really good jumping off point to discuss. Mm. Now, in regards to teachers panicking about AI, I can understand that. Yeah. There's one teacher that comes to mind in our older son's life right now who is an absolutely terrible teacher and AI could do a better job than that particular teacher at this point in time. However, what I will say on the topic is AI at the present point is as failable as a human teacher. Yes. Right, it can spit out incorrect information. Yes, it can also give information that's not entirely relevant, and it comes largely down to how you prompt it that, and how you. That's ask. what I'm saying. It's but only as good as its user. It, well, it can still create what they call AI hallucinations, where it spits back wrong data. <laughs> right, and that's artificial. Yeah, artificial, artificial intelligence hallucinations. hallucinations. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm getting jacked in, man. Yeah. Well, it's it's like I'm not jacked up. I'm not. I'm jacked in. Well, when you think of hallucinations. It's not real to begin with, and yeah, that's what inv- artificial that's, means. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's artificial, artificial. I'm I'm hallucinating hallu- a hallucination. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, so, but where where I think AI is going to go, I think it's actually vitally important we teach our kids. I think we need to embrace this, and I think we need to teach our kids how to use it mm. and how to master it, and we need to adjust our education system to accommodate for it because obviously we can't test kids in the same way that we used to, right? Well, if you think when you and I went to school, the exam's going to be on chapters five, six, and seven. You would cram that and then you would regurgitate that onto a page in the exam and you'd pass, mm. right? You would immediately core dump most of that information out of your brain the second the exam was done oh, and you'd walk off, yeah. right? And you wouldn't retain a lot of it. I think AI is actually going to enhance our learning because not only does it have access to all of that information, it also has the ability to present that information in a way that can be tailored to the individual user. Yeah. And that opens up the world of tailored learning plans. Mm. Now, a lot of schools talk about having a tailored learning plan. Some kind of do, but they're typically the special schools. Yeah. Or, 
let me rephrase it. I don't mean the special schools, but I mean, it, I mean the the schools that are really super small small numbers that are specific to handling students with certain types of challenges. Yeah, yeah. So, well, my because the other thing too is the fact there is all I have to say is that whether people like it or not, AI is here oh, God, to yeah. stay. Yeah, and. You won't be replaced because saying that you're going to be replaced, right, before you get on your little soapbox, I can see that your brain's going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Quickly get it out because I need to correct what you've just said. So it's not going to replace you. If you have a job where there is space in order to add this to make you better or make your life easier or, or tasks easier, yeah. then it should be utilised. You should understand how to do it now because you understand how to do it now. It means that when it does come become to be implemented within your workplace, you're, you've got it covered. You're yeah. on it. And you need to understand it. But look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix... And hold on, hold on. Because you're, you're But you're if wrong. you have... Well, yes and no. Because if you no, have no, there's, something there's an absolute that is... Here. If you have a job that is labour intensive... Now, when I mean labour intensive, I mean tradies. Right? So there's parts of their job, like social media and everything like that, that, okay, some of them will want to be a part of, right? That they need that. So AI will help you to be able to do that. But when it comes to actually doing their job, connecting a pipe to another pipe, there needs to be human hands. No, there doesn't. They're- Machines already do it. 3D printing houses has come a this. long I way. I knew he would. You, we, can, we can drone... Yes. Paint a house now. But shall I just remind you of something that's happening currently within the Australian society? We don't even have the people in order to build the houses, let alone a freaking machine come in to actually do it. Don't you think the fact we don't have the people means that we're moments away from importing those machines to do it and solve the problem? No. Because the machine's going to do it for far cheaper than what the humans are. And far faster and far more effectively. Yeah, but let's be honest, the government's never going to be down for that. It's not government, it's private enterprise. It is so profitable for private enterprise, it's about to hit the tipping point where it is commercially viable to do it. But I want to jump back to something because you've you've led people up the garden path. You are going to be replaced. You are absolutely if you are not going to be replaced by AI. You're going to be replaced by somebody else by a human who's using AI to yeah, do no, your job Yeah, no, that's better. what I'm saying. You should upskill now. You should get familiar Absolutely. with it. You if you should don't understand. upskill, you will, you will get replaced. But, yeah, well, if you don't get replaced, you'll get left behind. Yeah, Which Absolutely. means that if you're wanting those promotions, if you're, if you're sitting there going, oh, why didn't I get that? But it, it'll most likely be because you haven't upskilled, which is normally the reason why people don't yeah. get promotions, is because you haven't upskilled to the point that the company is needing you to be at. Oh, yeah, don't and they don't, on that they don't have... number of people that complain, oh, I get looked over for promotions. They don't have done. the Nothing. money in order to be able to spend on upskilling you, so they go with the next best option. Yeah. Whether that person is good enough for the job or not is irrelevant. It's the fact that they have the knowledge that you do not. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I don't believe that it's going to be taught in universities, so to speak, because I just look at it and go, it's already available to everyone I, I and think, to the yeah. masses by the time that a uni gets hold of it to teach you how to do it and all the rest this of is, it. This is a watershed moment. Yeah. This is this is a tipping point in history and future generations will look back to this point. And they, we don't know if it's going to be a great point or if it's going to be a bad point, but for our immediate needs right now, we need to be across this. We need to be embracing this because if, if we aren't... There's a lot of people out there that's going, Sarah Connor, she was right. Uh, let's... <laughs> Okay, let's deal with that. Remember the whole cannot form goals of its own, right? Like this AI takeover. We need to have artificial general intelligence. Do you know one of the precursors? In order for us to have artificial to create artificial general intelligence, we need to understand how the human brain works and how consciousness works. Yeah, we don't. We have no idea how consciousness works. We have a hard time even agreeing on a definition of what consciousness is. Let alone figuring out how, how it works, right? Oh, so this philosophy. whole Terminator bullshit is exactly that. AI, 
for until we hit artificial general intelligence, AI is effectively going to be a zombie enhancement for a human being. Yeah. Right? And what I mean by a zombie is it's got no thoughts of its own. It does what you tell it to do. Mm. So therefore, if you want it to produce something of worth, you have to know how to tell it what to do. Yeah. And that's that's where it is as right now. People, like, and I've had people go, oh my God, it's going to replace me. And I've, I've, I've given seminars. Mm. And people are like, oh, but then it's not getting my voice. I'm like, dude. Well, teach get, it. Get a video, transcribe it, upload it, and say, this is my voice, and watch it rewrite in your voice. Yeah. But it doesn't know your voice without you telling it or giving it the example. Yeah. And if you start a new conversation with it, it won't remember that. Yeah. Like, this is... So many people don't understand how far away from AGI we actually are. And that mm. AI right now, it's, it's a zombie. Mm. It has no thoughts for itself. Mm. It can only do what we tell it to do. And, and that's, I think... Well, it goes with any computer. Yeah. Uh, any computer is as only as good as its user. So if yeah. you're sitting there going, it's not printing, it's not printing, it's not printing... Have you looked as to whether you've set it yeah. up properly? Well, yeah, let me start on that one. I had one of those back in my tech support days. If, if turning it on doesn't help, try plugging it in. Um, it's Look, I think AI is a, is a significant enhancement. One of the things that I've always been... <laughs> Hold on. How long were you on that phone call before you were like, is it turned on? Is it plugged uh, it, in? It was, it was my third question. And I was copying abuse because, you know, I bought this printer from you and we took it home and it doesn't work. I said, no worries, sir. I've got to go through the standard process and look i'm going to ask you some questions it's going to seem like i'm insulting you i'm not i've just got to start with these questions because if we assume this then you know often it can be the, okay not a problem he turned around and said right is 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 the printer plugged into the wall of course it's plugged in you know and i'm copying abuse i'm like it's all right sir no worries is is the is it you know turned on at the wall of course it's on at the wall like just again ripping into me and then it was so have you turned it on at the back of the printer He's going, what are you... Yeah, of, of course. Okay, and then suddenly stop and go, wait, what do you mean? Back of the printer. I said, there's a switch at the back of the printer, usually top right. Is is that flicked? Is that switch? Nope. Oh, I've got to turn it on at the printer. Yes, sir, you've got to turn it on at the printer. Can you flick that switch for me? Let's see if that works. Flicks the switch, it boots up and starts working. So, oh, that fixed. I'm like, no worries, see you have a good day. So then he ends up having like 50 of the one, <laughs> the one thing coming out <laughs> because oh. he's just got this long queue. <laughs> oh, was, yeah. Anyway, so print, that was print, that. Print, but, print, print. You know, look, maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe their artificial intelligence in its current form is smarter than some humans out there. But, like, oh, but you know, it's, it, it's it an may seem obvious for you, but it's not obvious for someone else. I don't know. If you want something to work that's electronic, turning it on does kind of seem like step one. Yeah, but yeah. he probably wasn't aware that there was a button at the back. Yeah, obviously not. But anyway, moving on. Um, I think the biggest thing, one of the one of the things I've done a thousand times over the last 10 years. Is set up printers? No, I've done that too <laughs> far more than a thousand. No, is, is build social media marketing strategies. Yeah. Right. I'm pretty handy at it. I've built social media marketing strategies for ASX listed companies that have been executed and and worked incredible, Yeah, right? Generated millions in revenue, billions in sales and so forth. And what I've found, to give the the, the example, it would normally take me two weeks to put together a social media marketing strategy, an effective one, normally. Partly because my brain being Aspie, I stare at the blank screen, my brain exits the room. And... I'd have to really force myself to do it. But also because, look, these things it require intense research, intense understanding, and, and so forth. With AI, I can get the AI to ask me questions about the client and about what we want to do and how this plan should look. Mm. And I've got a full plan with an X. Ex- so I've got a full strategy and an execution plan built in 45 minutes. Yeah. Now the content of that plan and execution strategy that they come from my noggin, right? <laughs> from from it's it's my knowledge. Yeah. But the AI has then collated it and put it in a format that would take me a week to put into that format yeah. just because my uh, you know. So it enhances what you do. Yeah. It in, and if you're an expert in the topic, it is going to speed you up. Yeah. Because you're going to be able to pick when it spits out something that's wrong yeah. and that doesn't work. Well, obviously, you read through it still. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You I, t- I still tweak it. I still tweak oh, it yeah. when I proofread and fix bits and pieces up and stuff. But it's taken me 45 minutes to do that mm. as, as opposed, opposed to, to two week. weeks. Yeah. So when you, you know. think of it, that's what I'm saying is that when it comes to not only upskilling, 
if your work that you do, if you have the capability of pumping stuff out quicker, of course your company, whoever you work for, is going to turn around and go, okay, number one, you're getting stuff out when we need it. And and the tools and two, for it are uh, the, just improving. The quality that you're actually producing yep. is a lot better. Yep. So that promotion, what have you used? I've used AI. Sweet. There there will be pushback there, initially. So one of the there, one of the tricks. Hang on, let me let me explain this to help avoid the tricks. One of the tricks will be so it's not you, it's the AI. No, 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 it's me. The process that I use to ensure that what it's pumping out is my my smarts. Yeah. Right, my strategy. It's not plagiarism. It's not plagiarism, but it's not even that. It's if okay. If you walk up to the AI and you say, "I want you to write me an article on headphones," mm-hmm. it'll spit out an article on headphones, and it'll be generic as all hell. Oh yeah, like it it'll will be, explain to you as it'll to be what beige. headphones are. It'll be and- beige as beige as beige, and it'll be boring. If you go up to it and you say, "Hey, in a minute, you're going to write an article on." the differences between the latest Bose noise-cancelling headphones and the latest Sony noise-cancelling headphones. And in order to get the information to write this article, you are going to ask me a series of questions about these products and the differences between them. Mm. One question at a time. And then once I've complete, I've answered all your questions, you're going to analyze the information I give you, and then you're going to write the article. Yeah. Right? That article is then going to be super specific, super accurate, as long as you're accurate. Yeah. And it's your knowledge. It's like having an executive assistant with all of these different skills, mm. right? It's your knowledge coming out. The AI is just putting it in a format that you probably couldn't put it in in anywhere near the same level of, of efficacy. Yeah. And that's the value of it. It's not about replacing your knowledge. And there are thousands of people, millions of people out there who are using it to replace their knowledge. Mm. And a lot of them have turned around and gone, oh, it's shit. It's pumping out crap. Well, yeah, that's because you're asking it crap and you're not giving it the expertise. It's because you're crap. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, right? So if you're using it to drag that expertise out of you, it's going to then be able to create whatever it is you need to create far faster and far more accurately than what you could if you were doing it as a human mm. who gets tired and fatigues and so forth. And that's where the super benefit right now is, in my opinion. I mean, there's all the benefits of being able to chop up videos and products that, you know, will, will create reels and products that will create imagery and replace imagery. All that, those AI, they're, they're awesome. Yeah. I'm loving playing with the new Photoshop AI background replace. That's, yeah. that's a lot of fun. But in day-to-day in work life, particularly in, in business, and even, even if you are a trader who wants to grow their business, go and build a business plan. Get it to ask you about your business. Mm. Right, and have it build you a business plan for you to execute. Mm. Like this is the value of AI today, mm. and it where you would hire a lot of people and pay a lot of money, the AI can actually fill that gap for you. Yeah, again, upskill people, get amongst it. Yeah, it's it's incredibly valuable. Okay, well, we'll see you around like Rissoles. Yeah. <laughs>